Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is Law for Virginia Law Enforcement Officers, and it's episode 73. Today, we're talking about marijuana. We're talking about some new laws that came out in the budget bill just in the last couple of days, and also a new case from the Court of Appeals suppressing a search where an officer found marijuana on someone's person, and the court found that that wasn't a lawful basis to search a car. So both of the case that we're talking about and these new laws uh, are pretty interesting. And how we got to the point where that case came before the court, how we got to the point where these new laws coming out, both of which are really interesting. So we're going to talk about both of them today. I'm going to talk about the new laws first. And it's interesting how we ended up in this position. You know, I, I gave you a new laws podcast episode a little while ago. And, and usually when we're talking about new laws, the General Assembly considers new laws, you know, statutes, criminal law, civil law, and so on, when they meet between January and March. But this year, when the General Assembly started considering the budget, after they took care of all the new laws and statutes, and after they took care of, you know, judges and all that kind of thing, and they turned to take a look at the budget, which is usually the last thing that they do, that budget doesn't usually also include, like, new laws, like new criminal laws. But this year it did. Uh, this year, they put actually a lot of civil and criminal uh, provisions into the budget bill a lot for, you know, historically speaking. And so until the governor signed the budget a couple of days ago, we didn't know all of the new laws that would be going to affect until July, on July 1. And there were a couple of things that the governor did regarding criminal law. Uh, one was some clarification about earned sentencing credits and Ultimately, that's probably going to affect only a couple of hundred people in, in Virginia. The estimate is maybe 500, so I'm not really going to talk about that. But the marijuana statute change, uh, that was interesting. That was a little bit different. So what did what happened in the budget? What, what was the new law? What was the new statute? What are the new provisions they included in the budget? Well, to understand what the new provisions are, it's important for us to go back for a second and remind ourselves where we are regarding marijuana and marijuana legalization in Virginia. So back in 2020, Virginia decriminalized marijuana, possession of marijuana, which meant it was no longer a criminal offense, right? Simple possession of marijuana used to be <clears throat> a maximum punishment of 30 days in jail and a maximum punishment of a uh, $500 fine. But they decriminalized possession of marijuana in Virginia and reduced it to a civil penalty in 2000. Now, all the other statutes about marijuana, the <clears throat> offense of possession with intent to distribute marijuana, distribution of marijuana, manufacturing of marijuana, um, possession with intent to distribute while having a firearm or distribution while having a firearm, importation of marijuana over a certain amount, all those statutes stayed the same. They only dealt with the possession of marijuana and decriminalized it. And then a year later, Virginia legalized marijuana, sort of. And I've talked about this in the podcast before, so I'm not going to go into too much depth. But the bottom line is this huge, omnibus, enormous 400-page bill got passed. And it was so complicated, the General Assembly wanted a chance to spend a year examining it again <clears throat> and were only willing to pass it if after that year, after examining it, they were still going to pass the bill and it still would, uh, even a year later. In the meantime, an election took place, <clears throat> and a lot of people went a lot of different directions on where they wanted the marijuana bill to go. There was disagreements about what to do with the money, how it would be regulated. Nobody could agree a year later about what that regulatory scheme should look like. And so the whole thing, well, that part of it fell apart. 
But the fundamental portions of what the General Assembly passed in 2021 as far as legalization, the fundamental portion of it remained in place, and that was that the simple possession of marijuana was no longer unlawful. So in Virginia, simply possessing marijuana in and of itself is not a crime anymore. It won't ever be a crime. I mean, I guess, I guess they could bring it back, but at this point, it's not going to be a crime anymore. In the meantime, the other marijuana code sections about distribution of marijuana, possession with intent to distribute marijuana, uh, possession intent to distribute with a firearm, importation of a certain amount of marijuana, but all those code sections still also remain in effect. So it's unlawful to distribute it, to sell it, manufacture it. There were also parts of the code that the General Assembly passed as part of its legalization scheme that remain in effect even though the rest of the bill kind of falls apart. So the Virginia Cannabis Control Authority and all this tax stuff and this special fund and all that kind of stuff goes away. But there were certain portions that still remain in effect. And one of them is the code section that allows people to cultivate marijuana at home. And that's ultimately what the governor uh, and the General Assembly make some small changes to in the budget. They also, by the way, leave in place and, and will remain that it's lawful to share marijuana with another person so long as it's only up to an ounce and you're not making any money off. It's not, there's no financial transaction or no pecuniary benefit at all involved. So it can't be some kind of foolishness like where, oh, buy these socks for me and I'll give you free marijuana. No, like there can't be any kind of transaction in any way attached. If it is simply a pure gift of marijuana, what we used to consider to be accommodation, uh, then as long as it's up to an ounce, it's lawful. So adult sharing is still lawful. Simple possession is still lawful. Home cultivation is still lawful, and we'll talk about the regulations for that in a second. And then the question is, what are the limitations on possession? There are some limitations on possession, and they go to mostly uh, where you can use it which is to say you can't smoke it in public. Uh, that's still in place. You're not allowed to use it in a public. You're not used to use it in a vehicle. Uh, that's still an offense. I mean, it's a you know civil fine, but, but you can't use it in public. And then there are limitations on how much you can possess. And we're going to talk about the limitations on how much you can possess because that's the other thing the General Assembly changed in the budget when they uh, changed the budget uh, this year. So... When the General Assembly and the governor agreed on their budgetary language, they put changes in here regarding the limitations on home cultivation and on the amount you can possess. So let's talk about both of those. Let's talk about the amount that you can possess first. So again, mere possession of marijuana is lawful. But in the bill that passed last year and that the portion that's still in effect, it, it states that you cannot possess on your person or in a public place more than an ounce of marijuana. Now, before you get excited, the punishment for it is $25 civil fine. So whatever. But the, the, the provision is in there, which says I can have marijuana. It's not an offense for me to have marijuana. But if I have more than an ounce in a public place or if I have more than an ounce on my person, that's unlawful. And again, $25 civil fine. What's interesting, though, is uh, what if I have not just more than an ounce? What if I have more than a pound? Well, when I switch from having an ounce to a pound, we switch from a $25 civil fine to a felony punishable by imprisonment 
of one to 10 years in the penitentiary and a fine of, of not more than $250,000. So that's a pretty big swing, right? And this is all part of that language that the General Assembly passed last year. So none of that has changed, and it's still in effect. If I have more than an ounce, it's a $25 fine. If I have more than a pound, it's a one to 10 year felony. And keep in mind, what we're talking about here is simple possession. We're not talking about distribution, right? It's still unlawful for me to possess with intent to distribute marijuana. So if you arrest somebody uh, who has three pounds of marijuana on their person, you might, you might be able to argue, oh, you know, three pounds of marijuana is not consistent with personal use. That's consistent with distribution. And maybe they have a bunch of bags and, you know, O sheets and other indicia of distribution. So you might prosecute that first person for possession with intent to distribute marijuana. And if you're able to convince the jury, then 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 they'd be up to they'd be punishable up to you know five years in the penitentiary or whatever. But be that as it may, whether you convince the jury or not that the person is has the intent to distribute, the mere fact that they have more than a pound subjects them to one to ten years in the penitentiary and a fine up to up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But again, it's a pretty wide swift between twenty five dollar fine and felony. In the budget language, the General Assembly amended the code to provide a middle ground, a middle offense between the ounce, $25, and pound, felony, one to 10 years. And that was when you have between four ounces and one pound. Now, this only applies to people... Uh, this this hasn't... They've, they've also written an exception, in which I'll cover in a second. But So... Um, here, if I'm found with more than four ounces, but not more than a pound, then the General Assembly makes it a criminal offense, not a civil offense. But the first offense is, a, again, a class three misdemeanor, which is only a fine. So if I have five ounces of marijuana, now we're in a criminal offense territory, but it's a class three misdemeanor, which is only punishable by a $500 fine. Second or subsequent offense, that's jailable. That's up to six months in jail and up to a $1,000 fine. So having up to five ounces of marijuana, uh, that is now under the Virginia Code, uh, a criminal offense, uh, but it's not going to be jailable unless it's a second or subsequent offense. Um, and again, all of these punish, all these new offenses are related only to this, to the mere possession of marijuana. If you have possession with intent to distribute, you can still prosecute under uh, that old code section. Keep in mind, of course, that <clears throat> under 182248.1, there's now a rebuttable presumption that if you don't have, if you have it uh, less than, if you have an ounce or less, that's personal use, right? So we're, we're, there's never going to be a situation where somebody, or not never, it's almost never going to be a situation where I'm going to find somebody with, an, with less than an ounce of marijuana and be really have anything I can prosecute them for. It's when we get into the more than an ounce territory that we have civil penalty between one and four ounces, uh, criminal offense, class three misdemeanor, $500 fine, uh, between four and one pound, and then at a pound we got into the felony territory. The other thing the General Assembly did, though, was they clarified in the law regarding possession that the one pound punishment for the felony and the criminal penalty for more than four ounces doesn't apply to a person in their residence. And this was some confusion the way their law was written. It kind of implied that if I had on my person in my own house 
more than a pound of marijuana, if I moved it around my house, I could be guilty of a felony up to 10 years of penitentiary just by having the marijuana in my possession, on my person, in my house. And uh, the General Assembly clarified when they changed the law this year that that's not what the code section provides. There's an exception that says I can have uh, more than four ounces, I can have more than a pound of marijuana on my person so long as I'm in my residence. However, again, if I'm out in public or if, I'm, if I have it on my person in a place other than my own residence, like somebody else's house, uh, then yeah, it's a, it's a criminal offense to have more than four ounces or to have more than a pound. Like I said, the other thing the General Assembly did was <clears throat> they amended the rules regarding home cultivation. So again, with home cultivation, you can grow up to four marijuana plants for personal use at your place of residence. And again, we're talking about personal use here, not distribution. Distribution would be manufacturing and distribute. That's a violation of 18.248.1. But if I'm simply growing plants for my own personal use, I can do that as long as it's up to four plants at my own home. It can't be somebody else's house. And it doesn't matter how many people live with me. It, the total limit is four plants. If I grow more than four plants, then up to 10 plants, it's a civil penalty, $250 fine. Who cares? Um, <clears throat> a second or subsequent offense of that, of growing up to 10 plants, is a class three misdemeanor. Again, it's a fine. Who cares? $500. Uh, jailable is at class two misdemeanor. You get into actual jailable criminal offenses when you grow more than 10 plants. Uh, 10 to 49 plants is a class one misdemeanor. So punishable by up to 12 months in jail and up to a $2,500 fine. And then more than 49 plants, now we're in felony territory. Class six felony for up to 100 plants, 49 to 100 plants. And uh, that's again, punishable by up to five years in the penitentiary and up to a $2,500 fine. And then more than 100 plants, now we're back into that one to 10 years in the penitentiary, more than a fine of up to $250,000. So uh, again, if you have somebody who's got more than 100 plants, same punishment as having more than a pound of marijuana. So that really didn't change in the budget. What did change in the budget was they clarified something else about the home cultivation statute, which is what happens if instead of growing too many plants, you grow the plants in, and in violation of the regulations about how you're supposed to store them. Because the code section not, it doesn't just have a limit on how many plants I can grow. It has a limitation on how to store them. You have to make sure, make sure that the plants aren't visible from the public roadway or from public view, even use uh, or from public view. Uh, it has to, you have to make sure that it can't be accessible by somebody who's under 21. And every plant has to have a legible tag that has a name, driver's license number, or ID number, a notation that it's being grown for personal use under this code section. They wrote that. That was part of the original bill that they passed last year that survived the failure to reenact. It's still in effect. That's going It'll be in effect next year. They wrote all these regulations in, but they didn't say what happens if you don't follow them. So basically, it was a rule that was unenforceable. In the budget, they made it enforceable. And the way they made it enforceable was they added a $25 civil penalty. So again, don't get excited, but it is an offense now with the $25 civil penalty to store the plants improperly. So that's what happened in the budget bill. And those new statutes go into effect on July 1, uh, even though they were just signed by the governor a couple of days ago.
And that's pretty interesting, I think. The other thing I want to talk about with you guys today, though, is a new case from the Court of Appeals, again, about marijuana. And this is a case called Commonwealth versus Branch. It is a Court of Appeals case that it's a Commonwealth's appeal. And it's important as we start, before we talk about this case, to explain to you what it means that it's a Commonwealth's appeal. In this case, the defendant moved to suppress a search of a car where police searched a car based on finding marijuana in a woman's purse. And they searched the car, found a gun. The defendant moved to suppress and said, just finding marijuana in a woman's purse is not a basis to search the car. In this case, the trial court agreed and suppressed the evidence. And the Commonwealth appealed to the Court of Appeals. The Commonwealth has a right to appeal when a motion to suppress is granted. It goes to the Court of Appeals. And here, the Court of Appeals agrees with the trial court and agrees the evidence was properly suppressed. So let's talk about what happened and why and what's going on in this case. To start with, this is a case, like I said, from Virginia Beach. And what happens is officers stop the defendant's vehicle for a traffic violation. Uh, office, one officer sees a partially open container of liquor in the passenger seat of the vehicle. He asks the passenger for ID, and she opens her purse and her wallet. When she does, the officer sees marijuana inside the wallet. Now, at the time that this case took place, it was May of 2021. So we were in that one-year period when marijuana was decriminalized, but it wasn't yet legal to carry. So it was a civil penalty of $25. The passenger admitted that it was marijuana. She stated that she just purchased it and claimed that she thought it was legal. The officer could smell marijuana when the, when the person, when the woman, the passenger, opened her purse, but he hadn't smelled marijuana before. After he seized the marijuana, he could still smell it, but he still could not smell any marijuana in the vehicle. The officers then search the vehicle, and they find a handgun, and the defendant moves to suppress. The trial court finds that the marijuana search was, excuse me, the search of the vehicle was unlawful. Uh, the trial court's reasoning was, well, marijuana is, is only subject to a civil penalty, and so there's no justification for searching a vehicle simply based on a small amount of marijuana. And so uh, the court also found that the open container wasn't probable cause and suppressed the evidence. And so the case goes to the Court of Appeals. Now, the first thing it's important to remember is the Court of Appeals is supposed to give deference to the trial court's ruling about the facts, although it's supposed to review the law de novo. But the reality is they're going to be deferential towards the trial court's ruling one way or the other, either granting the motion to suppress or denying the motion to suppress. This is a Commonwealth's appeal, so the Commonwealth is trying to reverse the ruling of the trial court. So it's going to be more difficult. You're going to have that problem already. Also, the judge who decides this case for the Court of Appeals or writes the case for the Court of Appeals uh, is Judge Ortiz. We've already heard from Judge Ortiz before. He's the judge who suppressed the evidence from a consent search from Virginia Beach that was a Commonwealth's appeal that we did the last podcast on. So we already know that Judge Ortiz is not uh, a big fan of police searches under the Fourth Amendment. Um, he's suppressed them several times and, and already this year, and he's a brand new Court of Appeals judge. He's, so he's off, he's off and running. Here, Again, he agrees the evidence should be suppressed. Here again, he agrees that the with the trial court that the search was unlawful. 
The court ruled that the totality of the circumstances did not provide the officers with probable cause to search the vehicle. Neither the open container without the evidence, uh, well, neither the open container nor the decriminalized marijuana provided a uh, probable cause to search the vehicle. So let's take these two justifications for the search of the car one by one. Uh, the, the Commonwealth in this case argued that the search of the car was, was justified both, both because of the open container and also because of the marijuana in the car. The court looks at the open container first, and the court looks at the statute. Now, what does the court say about having an open container in the vehicle? Well, it's not a criminal offense to have an open container in the vehicle per se. The code says you can't consume alcohol while driving. The code then says, if you have an open container in a vehicle, that provides a presumption that the driver has consumed alcohol. But that presumption only takes place when there's an open container in the vehicle, the alcoholic beverage in the open container has at least been partially removed, and the appearance, conduct, odor of speech, uh, odor of alcohol, speech, or other physical characteristic of the driver of the vehicle can be reasonably associated with the consumption of an alcoholic beverage. So you have to have the open container, some consumption of the open container, and some indicia that the person has consumed alcohol because of their appearance, conduct, odor, speech, or other physical characteristic. In this case, the court says, well, you have an open container of alcohol, and the officers were able to observe that some of the alcohol was partially removed, but here, there wasn't any evidence that the, that the defendant's appearance or odor evidenced alcohol consumption, and therefore, there wasn't, there wasn't any evidence that, uh, that, in fact, the driver had consumed alcohol while driving. And so the court did not allow the officers to search the car based on the offense of consuming alcohol while driving, because all you had in the vehicle was the open container, and, and that was it. And so here, again, if the court, the court explains if there was some other indicia, like under the statute, odor, appearance, manner of speaking, that kind of thing, that would indicate that the driver had consumed alcohol while driving, then yeah, the police could have searched the car, but they didn't in this case, and so that wasn't a basis for the search. I want to pause for a second and point out, regarding marijuana, we still actually have a similar statute regarding marijuana, which is to say... It's unlawful, and this is still in effect, it's unlawful to consume marijuana while driving. And we have that same presumption, which is if you have an open container of marijuana in a vehicle, if the open container is in the passenger area of the vehicle and the marijuana or marijuana products in the container have at least been partially removed, and the appearance, conduct, speech, or other physical characteristics of the person is consistent with the consumption of marijuana, then there's a presumption that the person has consumed marijuana while driving. What's different about this code section, though, is with alcohol, you can look at odor, right? Odor of alcohol is an indication that somebody's consumed alcohol. But in this code section, the General Assembly specifically says odor cannot be a factor in whether or not you believe the driver has consumed marijuana. So it's not the same, right? People say, oh, we're going to treat marijuana the same as alcohol. Well, we don't. We don't treat it the same. We treat it similar, uh, but it's a different offense. How about the fact that she has marijuana at all and it was unlawful to possess marijuana at the time? 
was, wasn't that probable cause to search the vehicle? In other words, the passenger has marijuana in her possession. How is it that that was not a basis to search the vehicle? Here, the court says, the court looks at some cases from Georgia and Connecticut, other states, uh, where the courts found in those other states that merely having marijuana in your wallet alone can't be enough to establish probable cause that the vehicle contains contraband or evidence of the crime. And this goes to an interesting issue. So I think there's an idea that we have that once I find drugs on someone's person, automatically that gives me probable cause to search the car. Here, the court puts back, pushes back on that assumption. Uh, Judge Beals dissents, and Judge Beals basically says, when you find marijuana on someone's person, if that person has just been in the car, that's probable cause to search the car. But Judge Ortiz doesn't agree with that. He says, no, there has to be some other fact or factors that indicates that there might be marijuana in the vehicle. Uh, in this case, the court says the sight and the smell of a small amount of personal decriminalized marijuana in the passenger's wallet without any other suspicious circumstances didn't provide the officers with probable cause to search the vehicle for other contraband or evidence of a crime. And so you might say, well, wait, I thought if I search somebody automatically, if I find drugs on their person, I can search their car. But that's not exactly what the courts have said before. There was a recent case in, Virgin for, in the Virginia Supreme Court, for example, called Curley versus Commonwealth. And this was a case where the defendant moved to suppress evidence after a traffic stop, and the officer found drugs and searched the car, and the Supreme Court found the search was lawful. So was that case different? Well, it was a little bit different. In that case, the officer articulates that when he's getting out of the car, he can see the driver, Curley, leaning over the passenger seat. And as he walks up, he can see that there's a backpack in the front passenger seat. When the officer asks for his driver's license, the defendant, Curley, says, oh, it's in the backpack, but it takes him like 30 seconds to get it out. He's bent over. He's got his chest. He's covering over the bag. Then he hands over his driver's license. He's really nervous. His hand is shaking. He's breathing heavily. The officer becomes concerned that there might be weapons in the car. He gets the defendant out of the car, pats him down. The, the officer finds a digital scale in Curley's pants pocket. And when he examines the scale, he can see that there's white residue that looks like cocaine. So now he's found drugs, cocaine, residue, on the driver's, uh, in the driver's pocket. And he searches the car and finds, obviously, cocaine and a firearm. And, and Curley's a felon. Curley moves to suppress, and the court denies the motion to suppress. The Court of Appeals denies the motion to suppress. The case goes to the Virginia Supreme Court. And the Virginia Supreme Court says, look, it's not just the fact that he had cocaine residue in his pocket. He had cocaine residue in his pocket, and he, was, he appeared to be trying to conceal something through his furtive movements when the, right after the stop happened. And he's trying to conceal something, apparently, inside of the backpack. He's super nervous, overly nervous, more nervous than a normal driver would be. And he's shaking and he's sweating and profusely uh, acting in an unusual way. And the officer thinks, hey, that looks like uh, that that's a concern to me. And then also he's got not just, you know, residue, but it's residue on a scale, which indicates drug distribution. And so in the totality of the circumstances, what the officer finds in Curley's pocket is, in the eyes of the Virginia Supreme Court, a basis for searching the car. So 
it's not automatic. If I find drugs on someone's person, automatically I can search their car anytime. Instead, if you look at Curly and you look at the Branch case, what the courts are saying is they're going to require something more than just the drug, something like the overly nervous behavior, furtive movements indicate something's being concealed in the car, uh, some other factor that might give a basis for searching the car other than just the mere fact of drugs. Now, of course, Branch is a funny case because it happens in that weird window where marijuana is decriminalized, but it's not lawful. Nowadays, it would be even more difficult, I would say probably almost impossible, to search a car based on finding marijuana in someone's wallet because it's not a crime to have marijuana. Um, and again, you can't search a car based on odor of marijuana. That's written into the Virginia Code. If all you have is odor, that's not a basis to search a car. Odor plus something else, yeah, that could be probable cause to search the car. But it has to be odor plus something else that would indicate more than mere possession of marijuana. If the only thing you have probable cause of is possession of marijuana, you have probable cause of nothing because possession of marijuana is not unlawful. It has to be probable cause that there's more than an ounce or more than four ounces or more than a pound or probable cause that it's intent to distribute. Uh, so yeah, maybe again, scales, right? If I find, uh, for example, uh, uh, marijuana and a scale in someone's pocket, well, then now I think we may be in some more territory here. Um, but again, curly is more than just the residue in the scale. It's residue scale and the nervous evasive and furtive behavior. So it's going to be really important, whatever the drug is, for you to articulate more than just, aha, I found drugs, I'm going to search the car now. Uh, once you, you know, if you have judges like Judge Ortiz on the Court of Appeals, who are going to be very skeptical and very hard on law enforcement uh, for searching cars. So there you go. So there's some legal updates for you about marijuana today. Uh, and I hope today was helpful for you. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud doesn't require an app. It's just a website. So you can listen to it on your phone, on your device, whatever you want to do. And if you like the podcast, tell your friends. If you don't like the podcast, don't tell your friends. Coming up in future episodes, uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of different ideas. Some people have suggested some really cool ideas for the future. Um, shoplifting and concealment and searching for that kind of searching and investigations for shoplifting and concealment. We're going to talk about that in the future. Uh, somebody asked for a podcast on uh, identifications, uh, lineup IDs, uh, photo arrays, showing us a person a single picture. When is that okay? When is that not okay? I think that's a great idea for a podcast. We're going to try to do that in the future. And if you have other ideas, reach out to me and let me know. Other than that, though, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe. And don't get captured.